morning, good afternoon, good evening to all of you unconventional conventionists out there. You're listening to Rocky Talkie, the home of everything related to Rocky Horror, whether it's community news, global news, or just some random questions that Nikki's got. I'm Aaron. I'm John. And I'm Nikki. All right, we got a great show lined up for you guys today, but before we get started, let's talk about what we did this week. John, what have you been up to? Yo, I had the best fucking luck this week. So, all right, picture this. I'm laying on the couch. It's 4.30 in the morning. I don't feel like getting up. I've watched this one TikTok for like an hour straight, and I'm like, I need to take the dog. So I wrap her up in all of her things, and we go out the door, and where we take her out, we have to go by the trash room in our apartment complex. So I'm taking her and I walk, I walk, I always like to look in the trash room because there's always something new in there, you know? And there is this like beautiful, like easily like $500, $600 computer desk in there, completely untouched. And I was like, there's gotta be something wrong with it. So I keep walking. I take the dog out. I come back. I put the dog in the apartment I come back down with the tape measure just to make sure, like, if there is nothing wrong with it, that it fits where my, like, streaming stuff goes. And it is the exact fit. There is absolutely nothing wrong. It is, like, this, like, mahogany table with, like, a a rise for the monitors and, like, a glass part where you, like, put the keyboard and mouse. And it's on wheels, which makes it even better. So I wheeled it up to the apartment and spent all day yesterday switching my old rickety table out for this like beautiful beautiful computer desk entertainment center my dick has been so hard for the past 48 hours that's awesome john i can't like i never have luck like ever but this shit this shit is a vibe well, hold on to your luck, because it might come crashing down when somebody accuses you of stealing their bed bug table. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so exciting, though. That sounds like such a good find. Such a good find. Savannah's the one who usually finds stuff like this all the time, so I was actually happy that it was me for a change. What about you, Nikki? What'd you do? I got a puppy, and I'm very excited about it. Her name is Diana. What a good name for a dog. Her name is Princess Diana, but I refuse to call her that. (laughs) As you do. I haven't slept in two days. I haven't gotten a full night's sleep. I'm worried about her at all times. Josh is worried about her at all times. We have decided we are never having children, but this is this is so fun. I'm I'm really loving it. She's so sweet and she's so cute, and I'm so happy. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm a mom making a difference. Hi, mom. Hi, Making a difference. I'm John. Hi, John. I'm dad. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Well, I didn't uh, steal anybody's stuff or acquire a new child this weekend. I just (laughs) shoveled a bunch of snow. And now it's snowing again. (laughs) Suburban life. I'm smarter than the rest of my neighbors on the block. You see, I only shoveled a small pathway from the sidewalk to my front door and then the sidewalk, of course, because I'm legally required to. Everybody else shoveled their whole driveway because, like, they got places to go and things to do. I don't know, whatever. I don't know what that's like. And, uh, yeah, so now they're the suckers, and I'm the guy who only has to shovel one and a half times instead of two full times. You're legally required to shovel your sidewalk? You are. God, I do not miss living in the suburbs at all. No one in my neighborhood shovels their sidewalk. I'm going to call the police. A cab. (laughs) 
And on that note, let's move on over to some global news. Beep beep! So we're going to be starting off global news on a sad note this week. Jeremy Newsom, uh, the actor who played Ralph Hapshat in both the Rocky Horror Picture Show and Shock Treatment, passed away on December 16th. Rip. This was after suffering from motor neuron disease, which also is known as Lou Gehrig's disease or ALS. His passing was just made public on February 4th, which, good for his family, maintaining their privacy, but a sad story for all of us. Now, as we said, we of course know Jeremy primarily for his portrayals of Ralph and Rocky and Shocky, but he was also like a documentary filmmaker too, for those of you who didn't know. He and his wife Gina were filmmaking partners, and together they worked on over 50 programs for the BBC and Channel 4, and their own independent production company called Freelance Film Partners Entertainment. It's a catchy name, but arguably the most famous of his programs were several series that he worked on for the BBC called The Look. It was a documentary series that discussed the fashion industry, the music biz, gave viewers an inside look at the music industry, and the entertainment biz, which was, you guessed it, covering the entertainment industry. Jeremy was also an accomplished musician. He released an EP called Seize the Day back in 2019 and a full-length album titled Short Stories just last year. Those are all available on YouTube and Apple Music if you'd like to listen, and they're kind of folksy and very chill. It's a nice listen. Jeremy leaves behind his wife Gina and their two children, to whom we would like to express our deepest condolences. Jeremy's work has obviously had an enormously positive impact on all of our lives, and we're very grateful for him. I gotta say, one of my favorite ever Rocky moments was getting to play Ralph and Betty at RKO 3 with my soon-to-be wife, Meg. We submitted just to play Ralph and Betty. She picked up a whole second wedding dress, and I had to go buy a white tuxedo, and... You know, it was absolutely fun. I, I loved sitting there staring at Jeremy, trying to figure out all the little hand moves that he had made. I'll always remember that memory, and Ralph and Betty and, and Jeremy are, are a part of that. That's really cute. I had to play Betty one night uh, because I was doing Trixie, and usually at NYC, our, our Trixie hops in is either Ralph or Betty, depending on what the, uh, the Virgin winner wants to play. And there was this one night I was playing Betty, and the girl who came up who was playing Ralph... Uh, who wanted to play Ralph, we gave her the choice. And she was like, I want to play Ralph. And we were like, all right, Ralph has more things to do, but sure, Jan. And at the very end of everything, um, she just like picked me up bridal style and ran down the aisle with me in her arms. And I was like, that was fun. That was a good time. (laughs) Yeah. Every man just has the dream of being carried by a lady down a movie theater aisle. And you know what? Jeremy made that dream a reality. (laughs) oh my goodness yeah yeah uh the first show i ever attended like as a rocky virgin i was pulled up as ralph in ralph and betty and it just like i mean that's like a quintessential virgin experience but it's just so exciting to be able to be like up on stage at your first show in this theater and you have no idea what the fuck is going on but you know that you are now a part of it 100 percent, and there's no backing out like I just, it's such a fond memory of mine, and I'm sure so many other people share this memory. And Jeremy made it possible. I love seeing the horror on audience members' faces when they're pulled up and they're standing there and they realize the show started, they're on stage, and they have no clue how long 
they're going to be on stage. Yes. Yep. Where they just don't know if they're now not getting to watch the thing that they paid to see. (laughs) Yeah, especially when, like, the people who traditionally, like, pull the Ralph or Betty virgin when they're, like, up on stage be like, oh, you're going to do the thing. And it's always in the heat of the moment, so they're always like, okay. It's fantastic. So, with all of that, we really appreciate you, Jeremy, and so long. We'll see you on the other side. On a bit of a lighter note, if you really want to make sure your sweetie has an unforgettable lead-up to Valentine's Day on February 13th, why not invite them over to GalaxyCon and chill? Aaron, what? Nikki, you know he's going to say it's like Netflix and chill, except with GalaxyCon instead of Netflix. Isn't that right, Aaron? You know it! We've got another GalaxyCon coming up at 2 p.m. Eastern on February 13th. So, these always look like such a good time. They've got a great lineup. This time they're featuring Tim Curry, Barry Bostwick, Meatloaf, Patricia Quinn, and Nell Campbell. And every single one of those people, except for Tim, will be at the free-to-watch Q&A livestream that's at 4 p.m. Eastern to answer all of your burning questions about Rocky Horror and probably any of their other work if you really want to ask about, I don't know, Teen Beach Movie. (laughs) Teen Beach Movie. (laughs) Uh, But... If Tim is your fave and you don't want to miss out on a chance to interact with him, let me tell you, my friends, you are in luck. GalaxyCon will be offering private video chats with all of the performers, including Tim, so you can get some one-on-one time to ask them anything you want. The video chat sessions can be purchased in two-minute intervals, and they can be distributed between the performers however you want. So, like, if you buy ten minutes, you can either shoot the shit with Barry for the whole ten minutes, or you can get, like, two minutes with everyone, which is approximately how much I last with everyone. (sighs) Sigh. I know, it's disappointing, isn't it? Pat, Nell, and Barry are all $60 per two-minute increment. Meatloaf is 100 and Tim Curry is a bougie bitch, and you can buy one minute with him for 145 or two minutes for 225 These are all the most expensive hookers <laughs> I have ever heard of in my entire life. Literally, imagine being so famous that a single minute of your time is worth $145. Ugh, goals. Didn't Brandon Citrina buy a GalaxyCon chat recently just to find out about one of the Frank Jacket pins? Yeah, uh, Tim wasn't able to remember which pin it was, which sucks, but honestly, brilliant idea on Brandon's part. It would have been worth way more than the 145 bucks if he'd actually found out what that pin was. Oh well, maybe you've got a costume question you want to ask one of these guys. Well, if you don't have buckets of money to spend on talking with a celebrity for a minute... The GalaxyCon Q&A sessions are always free, and they're really fun to watch. You can find out more at GalaxyCon.com or by clicking the link in our show notes. And with that, I guess we're going to move on over to community news. No. I think we should change the score. I'm busy. Oh. Yeah. All right, so for our first item in community news, this Saturday, February 13th at 9 p.m., so right after you're done watching GalaxyCon, go over and check out the Film Bar in Phoenix, Arizona. They're going to be partnering with Frankie's Fishnets cast for an outdoor screening of, you guessed it, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, no matter where you are in this world, at February 13th at 9 p.m., get on a fucking plane... (laughs) And go to Phoenix, Arizona. I will. Don't test me. <laughs> so the description reads, 
dripping with fishnets and leather, the late-night B-movie spoof of the Rocky Horror Picture Show inducts attendees into a beloved, rowdy tradition. As archetypical pair squares, Brad and Janet approach the castle of the fabulous Dr. Frankenfurter and meet his minions, including decrepit butler Riff Raff, patched-together golden boy Rocky, and, played by Meatloaf, rock and roller Eddie, a shadow cast of actors clothed in lingerie gyrates in front of the screen. In the audience, a decades-long tradition of crowd participation carries on as guests are encouraged to participate in a group time warp dance, shine flashlights during the song over at the Frankenstein place, and pop balloons if their dates fall asleep. The Rocky aficionados of Frankie's Fishnets, Arizona's Rocky Horror Picture Show Shadowcast, bring extra flair to the evening with costume contests and prop kits to heighten the experience. Those who arrive scantily clad for the costume contest are encouraged to bring extra demure clothing to cover up in case they run into their grandparents or a temperance league. I would be great at reading audiobooks for erotic novels. You know, that's actually the second time that I've had a conversation with somebody about that this weekend, so... About me reading erotic novels? No, surprisingly, multiple people would be great at reading erotic novels. You know what? We'll get there. So, this sounds like it would be a really fun Valentine's Day date. It gives you a chance to get the festivities started a day early, and it's also a pretty good excuse to be out and about with your Valentine in lingerie. Ooh, spicy. (laughs) I hated that. Um, have any of you ever brought a date to Rocky? It sounds like it would be like such a sexy date idea, but I feel like in practice, it never actually is. Yeah. That was like one of me and Savannah's like first quote unquote dates. Like they, they invited me to go watch them debut as Columbia for NYC. And I showed up with a friend of mine. Savannah gave me a bunch of their clothes to wear. And I was like, well, I'm trying to impress this person. So like... Of course I'm going to do that. So, like, I guess it was kind of a date, but it was, like, the least sexy thing because I uh, had to take part in the orgasm challenge, and I lost. uh, (laughs) And then I had to just kind of, like, sit back down in the corner in my, like, ill-fitted corset and hot pants. Sexy in theory, but not sexy in, in practice. Yeah, it, it always seems like a good idea, right? Where you're like, oh, come check me out. Come come watch me perform or come, you know, come come have a good time. But no, in reality, it's come sit by yourself in a theater while you watch me run around and have a lot of fun with friends that you don't know or have never met before. Or... That is exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. I have a horrible story that is very on brand. When I debuted as Janet, uh, I was still in high school, I think. And I was dating, I wasn't dating, I was talking to this boy that was clearly like a 17-year-old douchebag. And like Rocky was absolutely not his scene, but I didn't tell him what it was. I just told him that I was going to be in a bra. (laughs) So he shows up like in like not Rocky attire. I'll just put it at that. Like this kid was very clearly not suited for any of this and he showed up with his friend and they both like reeked of weed which is not a problem but we had a very small art theater so like 
it just everything was just smelling like weed and they sat in the very back of the theater which is weird considering everyone else was sat in the front of the theater and they left halfway through the show and he never texted me again and i was like okay this is good honestly you dodged a bullet there yeah i mean that sounds like a successful rocky date as far as i'm concerned so i mean listen we we were kindred spirits i'm sure one day our paths will cross again and we will fall in love (laughs) anyway if this weekend is a little too short notice for you to book a flight to Arizona, you can always surprise your boo with tickets to Film Bar's Encore Screening, which will take place on Saturday, February 27th, also at 9 p.m. You know, so if you decide that you want to go, but you can't get a flight to Arizona that quickly, then you can get another flight to Arizona with less than a month's notice. Man, we are paying for that intro. <laughs> Tickets are only $15, and you can find them on filmbar.com, and they're also linked in our show notes. If you go to the show, you know, if you get that flight to Arizona, <laughs> tell us about it. We want to hear about the awesome time you had, and we want to see your pictures so we can live vicariously. If you post about it, tag us so we can pretend we got to go and have a great time too. And if you bring a date, tell us if it's as spicy as we all want Rocky Dates to be. I want my Rocky Dates to be sour. Speaking of spicy, FFO's Throwback Rewind Valentine's Day show aired this past weekend. Did either of you have a chance to check that out? Um, yeah. I love their virtual shows and Valentine's Day. I was absolutely not going to miss this one. It wasn't as themey as I thought it was going to be, but you know, the sexy group of Valentine's Trixies and the hilarious stripping crim totally gave me my holiday fix. I love a man in sock suspenders. Yeah, this was a really fun one. They'd filmed this show right from the front row and did a lot of turning around in their seats to give different audience reactions. You really felt like you were sitting in the front row, which I enjoyed. It's been quite some time since I've gotten to have that perspective. I didn't realize how much I missed it. Of course, all of their performers were really solid. Their Frank and Rocky complimented each other so well because they were both so fucking hot, but like different flavors of hot, you know? Like Frank was fierce and Rocky had a major dad bod, which is high key my thing. And it was a good time all around. I thought their Brad and Janet were like such a sweet pairing too. They were just so adorable and they had a really solid chemistry together. Honestly, I would not be surprised if they were dating IRL. Like, that'd be super cute. I know when Savannah and I play Brad and Janet, it's always a little extra salacious. Or, like, when we play off, like, any character, like, whether it's Brad and Janet, Janet Rocky, Frank Rocky, Riff and Magenta, the list goes on and on. But, like, it's always got that extra, like, spice, you know? Savannah's, like, probably my favorite person to perform alongside because we're usually always on, like, that same level and it like everything that we do always goes over well every single gag like i love it so much i very much love performing with josh i know people who listen to the show don't know this but josh and i are the exact same size in height in weight in everything so are me and savannah <laughs> mans can lift so like we play eddie in columbia and this motherfucker hoists me around and you wouldn't expect it Like, it's just such a shock, so the crowd goes wild every time, just because it's like, what is that small boy doing to that averagely same-size girl? (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. And, of course, Steve Van Meter as Eddie was incredible. As always, I am, like, head over heels for his Eddie. I've never seen him be anything but excellent in that role. 
Yeah, this really was such a good performance. We want to give a huge thank you to Frankie's favorite Obsession cast. We love getting to watch your performances, and we cannot wait for your next show. And with that, let's move it on over to... Nikki asks a question. I am the Master Commander. (laughs) Our question this week is another write-in. This one comes to us from Just a Sexy Trash Can. I'm all about that energy. Hello, red trash can. Why red? What other color would a sexy trash can be? Sounds like you're calling them a communist trash can. In Soviet Russia, sexy red trash can takes you out, comrade. I'm sorry. Honestly, that was kind of hot. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure something about this conversation is going to be a red flag for our HR. Ugh, fuck off. Also, we don't have HR. So that's why we can talk about my huge throbbing cock all the time. You got it. (sighs) Mm, Yeah. Anyway, from our friend, the sexy trash can, they write, Hey, y'all. Love the podcast. I have a question about stunt doubles. I know a stunt double was used in Hot Patootie for Meatloaf, but something that has always bothered me is Tim's stunt double. I've seen one picture of Tim with his stunt double, according to the picture caption, but I can't figure out where the double was even used. At first, I thought it would be when the radio tower falls, which would make sense given that they're both wet and wearing floor show makeup in the picture together. But as the tower falls, Frank just looks like a dummy. Either that stunt actor is really good at looking like plastic, the movement seems unnatural, or he was used somewhere else. Maybe the three seconds that Frank is climbing the curtain? Looking on the IMDb, only Eddie's double is listed under stunts, but further down, under additional crew, someone named Gary Paris is listed as Tim Curry's stand-in. So maybe the picture was captioned incorrectly, and it was actually Tim with his stand-in? Was the same guy the Frank stunt double? Is there even a Frank stunt double at all? If so, where exactly does Frank's double come in, and who is this guy? Thanks in advance. I know this is long as hell, so sorry if that was a dumb question. No, thank you. I mean, that was not a dumb question at all. This is actually an absolutely fantastically fascinating question after I started looking into it. I'll show you something long as hell. Stop. All right. So for anyone that doesn't know, the man who played Meatloaf's stunt double that the trash can is referring to is named Ken Shepard. He's fairly well known due to the accidents that occurred when filming Hot Patootie. That would actually be an awesome Nikki asks a question. I want to know that, please. Okay, so Trash Bag did send us a link to the photo. Really appreciate that. So we didn't have to go and hunt it down. Yeah, so this uh, this is the photo. It's two Franks. Tim is on the right, and he's in floor show pool makeup and in a blue bathrobe smoking a cigarette. And another guy is on the left, and he has a much rounder face, but he's also in Frank makeup and wearing a yellow bathrobe. He looks very familiar, the man on the left, but I don't know why. He looks like someone I know. <laughs> So I'd seen this Frank photo before, but I could not place where it was from. I did know that there was another photo out there that I'd seen of Rocky with his stunt double. So I hunted that down and I tossed that in the dock here while I was reaching out to find the source of these images. Right. So this picture is two Rockies. Peter's on the right in like this blue shirt and a jacket. And he has the floor show makeup on. And then there's another guy on the left in a red bathrobe. And he's also in the Rocky floor show makeup. He's also wearing a shaggy blonde wig. He has brown hair peeking out from underneath. It's not on uh, as good as it could be, I guess. Okay, so what do we know about these? Are stunt doubles for Frank and Rocky used in the movie? 
Where are they used? And what do we know about them? Who were they? And what about the people we know worked as uncredited stand-ins? All right, well, that's a lot of questions. I wonder if we'll answer all of them. Okay, hold my beer. I think we can actually rapid fire these. Okay, okay. Start with the photos. Are they real? Where do they come from? Yes. Okay, so anytime you're looking at rare photos, Rocky Horror legend Larry Vizel is the guy to go to. He recalled that the photos were sold to the Hard Rock Cafe along with Rocky's shorts by Peter Henwood in 1995. I just saw a post about those on Facebook from Tony Pazuzu. He's one of the biggest and most knowledgeable Rocky Horror collectors out there. He posted, In mid-1994, Peter Hinwood unearthed the original gold leather trunks in which he wore in the Rocky Horror Picture Show and listed them for auction with a London auction house. The lot sold on September 14th to the Hard Rock Cafe for just under a thousand US dollars, and the costume piece, along with a cache of 99 rare Polaroid photos taken on set during the original film shoot, eventually went on permanent display at the Hard Rock Cafe in Orlando, Florida, where they can still be seen today. Holy shit, a thousand dollars? That's not even a Frank jacket. I mean, well... Adjust for inflation from 1995, that's still only like 1700 in 2021 money. I mean, talk about a steal. And now these photos hang in a corner of a closed restaurant in Florida, hidden halfway behind an ATM. They've been more prominently on display in the past. Rocky folks have taken pictures of the shorts and the accompanying photos over the years. But you can hunt through them pretty quickly and see that, sure enough, both of the photos of Frank and Rocky with their stunt doubles are right there in the grid of photos. So, sweet, the photos are real. Are they actually stunt doubles or stand-ins? They're almost certainly stunt doubles. We know for sure that doubles were used in the movie. Yep, uh, when we pull out the shooting schedule for the film that Larry Vizel shared with us back in episode 7 for our Easter egg episode, we can see that there was a date that specifically calls for stunt doubles to be on set. So, on December 4th, 1974, they shot Riff's and Magenta's entrance at the start of the takeover. And then the next day, Thursday, December 5th, they were again at Bray Studios in Water Oakley near Bray, Berkshire on Studio One to shoot scene 164. Oh, snap! And right next to it, it says that special requirements for the day include a harness and curtains collapsing. Hot. So this, <laughs> yes. So this was the next to last day of filming in the ballroom on stage one. Afterwards, all that they had left to shoot to finish the movie was the criminologist scenes and superheroes. So taking a look at the shooting schedule very quickly answers a bunch of these questions. We know when the doubles were on set, which was Thursday, December 5th, 1974. Which means we know exactly when the pictures were taken. We also know they ended up with Peter Hinwood, possibly even were from his own camera. And we know where they were, which was stage one at Bray Studios. And most importantly, we know exactly what scene numbers they were shooting, which is scene 164, which we can match up with the shooting script. And we actually get the answer to why the movement seems so unnatural when Frank and Rocky fall off of the RKO sign and into the water. They're using a suspended wire harness to ensure that the stunt actors can fall safely. This also makes it so that their weight is not being held by the RKO sign, which would pose another safety problem and probably result in a broken set piece, and God forbid also some broken actors. Wow, so we know the what, the where, the when... 
Do we know exactly what shots ended up in the movie where you can see the stuntmen? We can easily narrow it down since we know exactly what the scene number was that they were on set for, 164. Right. So scene 164 from the shooting script says, Riff Raff. Exactly, Dr. Scott. Now, Frankenfurter, your time has come. Say goodbye to all of this. And hello to oblivion. Frank raises himself to his full height. Frank, do your worst, inferior one. As Riff Raff pulls the trigger, Columbia dashes between them. She is killed instantly. Riff Raff fires again at Frank. Frank takes a leap for the rope on the curtain. The entire proscenium crashes under the weight. And Frank is crushed to death among the velvet and glittered fascia. Rocky breaks down completely. Although he despised Frank, he was all he had in the world. He rushes to the body and cradles it in his arms. Riff Raff can stand no more. <laughs> I hate this. He fires a blast of laser beam at Rocky, who starts climbing the stairway towards the Fox skyline. Riff Raff fires again and again. With the body of Frank in his arms, Rocky beats on his chest and lets out a wild sound like a giant beast of the jungle. That doesn't even make any sense. How many arms does Rocky have in this script? <laughs> Riff Raff fires a sustained beam. Rocky climbs up to the top of the fox sculpture. Riff Raff fires again and again. They crash to their death. S deaths. What in the holy fuck was that? <laughs> I've seen Rocky Horror and I don't remember any of that. Columbia running between Riff and Frank, Frank getting crushed by the falling stage proscenium, a stairway to the top of the Fox logo. What is that? Oh, oh, here at the end of the shooting script, there's also a script revision for scene 164. It's dated September 12th, and that is 39 days before they started filming. And it says Frank tries to scale up the silver drapes, which descend on him with tab tracks, rope supports, etc. Sounds like they just kind of threw together figuring out all of the ending till, well, the end. Yeah, I imagine they had to for some of it. So they had to get approval from Fox to use the logo, which was eventually denied. Richard talks about that in the DVD commentary. And sometime between when this version of the shooting script was made, its last pages are dated in October, and the cover says July of 74, and when they shot the ending of the film, it had evolved into the final version that you actually see in the movie. Gone is the Fox logo, instead replaced with the RKO Tower. Columbia is killed in place instead of dashing between Frank and Riff. In the stage show, it is written to have Columbia run between them. I guess they realized they didn't need to block all that movement in action when she could just scream and get shot. And Frank is killed by Riff's laser. So instead of the entire proscenium arch falling down and crushing him, just the curtains and the rope that he was trying to climb come crashing down. Okay, so is that the stuntman then? That's climbing the drapes and falling? I don't think so. There's a grand total of three separate shots of Frank climbing up the curtain. The first one is 100% Tim Curry. He starts facing the camera. The second and the third are unclear, but I don't believe they're the stunt double. There's a succession of quick cuts that show Frank. Uh, here's the three. Right before Riff steps up the stairs to the stage and fires the shot that kills Frank. This is 47 frames long. It's just over two seconds. There's a second shot again as the lasers fire right before Janet screams and turns her head away. That one's only 34 frames long. 
And the third shot is Frank falling off the curtain. That one's a little longer. It's only 38 frames. Right. And the film immediately cuts after the fall to a close-up of Tim's face as Frank is slowly slumping onto the ground. The way that you would cut together a scene when you used footage of a double in the preceding shot. So why don't you think it's the stunt double? Well... So you can screen match the holes in the back of Frank's fishnets in all of these shots where the back right garter clasps the fishnets to previous shots of Tim's fishnets. Every shot that we know for sure is the stunt double, he does not have holes in his fishnets. You are disgusting. Is that true? It actually is true, but you don't have to take my word for it. We know for sure that the doubles were used in the fall off the tower and that Tim did the climb up the curtain. Richard says so in the DVD commentary. Then why the hell didn't you just say so? Because I I really did do the comparison of the holes in the fishnets and they really do line up, I, I promise. Do we have that clip? Like, can we just listen to Richard? Okay, sure. Uh, Meg, you got this. And they made poor old Tim climb that place, that yeah. those ropes. He shouldn't yes. have done that, of course. No. And while he was doing it, I, I remember I remember people on the set, experienced men saying, "No, this shouldn't be happening." No. Oh, no, we shouldn't be doing that. No, 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 no. Kill not your principal actor. He should no. be doing that. No, no. Earlier on, O'Brien mentions that the doubles were definitely used for the shots on the tower, excluding the close-up and the get-your-hand-off-my-ass where you can clearly see Tim and Peter's faces. So, based on all of that, we know for sure that Frank's double is not used for the three shots of climbing the curtain. And we know the doubles are definitely used for at least seven, possibly eight shots during the RKO sign collapse. Let's just read through these, knock them off real quick. These are the shots, 100%, you can see the stunt doubles. First, there's the crotch shot looking up at Rocky and Frank as they climb up the tower, followed by an over-the-shoulder wide shot where Riff shoots them at the top of the tower. And then we have the shot from the base of the tower as it starts to fall, and Riff's over-the-shoulder shot as the tower begins to come down. After that, it's the tower falling wide shot, and then the cool top-down shot where Frank and Rocky let go of the RKO tower and fall into the pool. Yeah, I think the next underwater shot right after is also the doubles, though there's not enough there to really make it out. And lastly, Rocky and Frank floating on top of the water. For that one, you can clearly see that Rocky is wearing a wig and has a flop of dark hair at the back, which matches the known picture of the stunt double in the photograph. Also, you can screen match the rips and the fishnets in every single one of these shots. Shut up. I hate you. Okay, so Richard also tells a really funny story about the guy who played Frank's stunt double. Let's listen to this clip, too. It's from the commentary. It's really funny. Check it out. This tower behind us. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see Frank and uh, Rocky after the death of Rocky and Frank climb up that. But, of course, it's going to be stunt doubles. Yes. And they came along, and the guy that was playing for Frank... I had no idea that he had to dress up like Tim. Oh, Lord! And it was a wonderful moment, a wonderful day. Oh, Lord! the guy no. look, looked at the stunt. The stunt, then. And yeah. uh, then went, oh, go and get ready now. Oh, moon. Oh, go and get ready. Right. And then had to dress like that and came down and wanted to be extra butch on the set because he didn't want anyone to think that he was you know, like that. Yeah. yeah and as the more butch he got, the, the camper it all became. It was a fab moment in time. 
I'd like to go back. I've had a time machine. I'd like to Do spend. That I'd one. like to spend that half one. an hour there watching that. Right. Just for that joy. <laughs> what a joke! That's so funny. Yeah, you just got to own that shit. Big dick energy. So there we go. We know all the shots where the doubles were and weren't used. That's so cool that we have the resources to just rip this apart and figure it out. I love this shit so much. I really enjoyed this question. Wait, but who were the guys? Who? The actual stunt doubles. What were their names? Was Frank the guy that our trash compactor friend mentioned? Gary Paris or whatever? So that one's a bit harder. I'll take you guys through trying to hunt down the names, but it's actually not very well documented at all. The only uncredited performer listed as a stunt double, as our trashy friend mentioned, is Ken Shepard, who was Meatloaf's double for Hot Patootie. There are two, possibly three, individuals listed as stand-ins for Frank and Rocky. Uh, They're listed in Rocky Horror from Concept to Cult. It's in an addendum that's tacked onto the end of the section about Anthony Venn. He was one of the Transylvanians. The who? Nikki. Focus. We best get back to that some other time, too. There are too many random Transylvanians. Right. But anyway, in From Concept to Cult, it says, It would indeed be churlish not to mention here those erstwhile and totally anonymous persons on film sets called stand-ins. We know they're paid to be patient, and unlike understudies in theater, they know they will never appear as the characters for whom they are standing in. So for that reason alone, let's give a name check to those we know of. It rattles off a long list of names, and in the middle, we find Gary Paris was Tim Curry, and then later, A.N. Other and Alan Harris alternated for Peter Hinwood. A guy named A.N. Other? What? Now, as you can expect, he's impossible to Google. Completely! But I think we might be on a snipe hunt with the stand-ins. A stand-in and a stunt double would rarely be confused for one another. They have very different roles on a film set. Yeah, this is from standincentral.com, an online resource just for film stand-ins. A stand-in is a member of the TV film production crew who takes the place of a principal actor when the crew is setting up the lights and camera for a shot. Usually, but not always, the stand-in is approximately the principal actor's height, coloring, and body type. In many cases, the stand-in even resembles the principal actor. Right. Stand-ins are considered part of second team. Principal actors are considered part of first team. When first team steps off set, second team steps in to replace them. When first team arrives on set, second team steps off or is excused very soon after. Gotcha. So a stunt double is part of the first team since they're used in the principal photography. And they would be fully dressed in a hero costume and makeup, whereas a stand-in will often just be, like, close enough for camera setup purposes. Right. Also, we have an even more well-documented case for where Gary Paris was used as a stand-in. According to a 1999 newsgroup post by Rocky Horror legend Jim Cosmo Hetzer, Frank's stand-in is on the call sheet for the church scene... And it is none other than Gary Paris. But we know from Larry's copy of the shooting schedule, the church scenes were shot first in mid-October of 74. Scene 164 with the stunt doubles wasn't until early December. Sure, a stand-in could reasonably stay with a production throughout its entire run, but it seems unlikely they would then, uh, double as a stunt double? Double mint gum. 
But all of this led me to think there is one place where we could find out exactly the names of everyone who was on set that day, and Cosmo mentioned it in that newsgroup post. We should be looking for the call sheet for the day of shooting, scene 164. That's the sheet for Thursday, December 5th, 1974. That would be awesome. A call sheet is part of the documents that get passed out to cast and crew members daily during a film shoot. They usually have next day's schedule, who shows up when, what special things the camera, lighting, and special effects departments need to be prepared for, arrival times, and everything else. And we know where one of them is. Cosmos said he had seen it. I seen it. <laughs> call sheets are usually prepared by the producer or someone within his department. And we know the producer is Michael White, so... Oh, holy crap. Yep, as we know, Rocky Horror legend Larry Vizel owns the Michael White collection. That's the same collection that also contained the shooting schedule that has gleaned us so many wonderful bits of information. So, who are they? What are their names? Uh, we'll have to leave that one for another time. Uh, it's quite a bit of effort to track down the exact document we're looking for, and as soon as we know, we'll let all of you in on the secret. But you don't think it's Gary Paris or Alan Harris? You think they were just stand-ins? I think it's unlikely, as we have at least one verifiable citation where Gary Paris was acting as a stand-in, not a stunt double. But the idea that they could have also filled in as stunt doubles is not outside the realm of possibility. Though Richard's story about Frank's double being surprised by the getup wouldn't have made much sense. If he'd been on set the whole time doing stand-in work, you'd think he would have seen it over and over. Right, so you can see my skepticism. But we can't rule it out, like under the possibility that the credit has just been mangled over time. Either way, you can bet that we will let everyone know if we find anything else out about this. Well, sexy trash can, I loved that one. Thank you so much for writing in. And a big thank you to Larry and all the other sources that helped out on this one. I don't know anywhere that's delved this deep into the unsung stunt doubles or Rocky Horror, so I'm glad that we get to shine the spotlight on guys whose job is literally not to get credited. And in that great tradition, we will leave you with a cliffhanger, because Aaron is just that big of a cock tease. Speaking of cliffhangers, we're going to end out this week with something a little bit different. We got a write-in that we feel was so salacious, we're going to make it its own bonus episode. So, to whet your interest, we're going to read the question, but you're going to have to wait until the bonus episode drops to hear the answer. And I got to tell you, it is a hell of an answer. Nikki, do you want to do the honors? Absolutely not, but here goes... Name Scooter Eddie, Jacob RG. Wait, is this like Jacob, like the one who writes some of the show parts for us? Keep reading, Nikki. Message. <laughs> what? Okay. Message. Where can I see Barry Bostwick's butt? Someone mentioned his butt and that they had seen it a few episodes ago. Was this real? Have you really seen his butt? Because I've been trying really hard to see it with no luck. Most dark web forums don't even know who Barry is, and I don't have the money to lend someone of 50 to harass and photograph Barry Bostwick's butt. I want to be very clear. I'm looking for Barry Bostwick's butt. I don't want substitute butts, so don't link me to a bogus butt because I'll know. You may be thinking, oh, but Jacob, how could you know if it's an off-brand Barry Bostwick butt if you've never been asked to face with a man? Fuck you. Of course I'll know. I've devoted my life to one thing, and I won't let a schmuck like you plebeians 
insult me by trying to bribe me with a bad butt. There's only one butt, and when I see it, I'll know. And then he drew a little character. So that's it, guys. That's the question. We're going to have an extra special bonus episode for you guys on Monday where we talk all about the various places you can see Barry's butt, possibly with a surprise guest. Eh? Eh? You guys will have to wait and see. Yes. Be sure to tune in on Monday because it's going to get weird. And that's our show. We want to thank our sexy trash can and Scooter Eddie for writing in. We love you guys and we really appreciate your support. Now, if you're enjoying the show, please help us spread the word about it. All you got to do is rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. It helps us make our podcast more visible to new listeners, which helps us to grow the show. That's what you want from us. You want us to grow. You want my dick to be bigger. Also, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcast. So please go check us out if you like us and you want more content. And also, write to us. We love hearing from all of our listeners. Getting messages from you makes our whole entire week. We especially want to hear about the cool Rocky stuff you're working on and all the upcoming special events your cast are getting ready to do. We want to share it on our show and help you spread the word. If you're working on a Rocky-related project that you're excited about, if your cast is doing a show and you want to spread the word, or if you've got an amazing story from your Rocky Horror career, go to our website, rockytalkypodcast.com, and fill out our contact form to share with us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Uh, See ya. I'm leaving. Well, on that news, uh, let's move over to some global news. No, it's everywhere. Uh. Classy. All right. We'll see you on the other side. Speak for yourself. Jeremy's in heaven. I'm going to hell. <laughs> That's fair. What is that? Speaking of hell. <laughs> why am I peeking? Hold on. Oh, my God. Speaking of hell. Okay, I'm back. I don't know what the fuck just happened. Speaking of hell. We've got another Galaxy Con coming up at 2 p.m. on February 13th. Uh, that's... We usually put EST after the time, not the date. <laughs> yep, we've got another GalaxyCon coming up at 2 p.m. Eastern on February 13th. At February 13th at 9 p.m., get on a fucking plane and go to Phoenix, Arizona. <clears throat> so I, you know, I will. Don't test me. Somebody should have written that transition a little better. <laughs> Nikki. John. Aaron. And that's it. It's just Nikki and John. Nikki and John. Welcome to Rocky Asks a Question. <laughs> Riff Raff fires again at Frank. Frank takes a leap for the rope on the curtain. The entire... Proscenium. Thank you. The entire proscenium crashes under the weight. And Frank is crushed to the death to the death and frank is crushed to death among the velvet and glittered what the fuck is this Fa fascia 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 is that right and fascia fascia i'm a fake theater person so i don't know what any of these fucking words mean <laughs> I only Completely. But I think we might be on a snape hunt with the stand-ins. 
A stand-in and a stunt double would rarely be confused for one another. They have very different roles on a film set. Snipe. What did I say? Snape. You put it. Oh, fuck. I forgot you were trolling me on that. She trolled me on this like three weeks ago and was like, nah, you'll you'll say it wrong and you'll forget. (laughs) Snape Hunt. Professor Snape Hunt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at wow. Boodoo boodoo ba.